Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long in Artistic August, we are talking about art from so many different directions. And my guest today is an artist uh, in terms of being an author, but I don't think it's just about being an author. I have a strange feeling it's about him having a great way to tell some incredible stories. Now, Wayne McFarland wandered away from a small Midwestern town a few years ago, With no planning at all, his history is one of stumbling into one bog or another after, you know, traveling from the Dakotas to California, from Pamplona to Paris. And his main claim to fame is, most surprisingly, not being dead. (laughs) Plus, he got involved in a lot of strange stuff. Uh, He says usually unwillingly. Um, but I'm not really sure if I believe that, given some of the uh, tales already said <laughs> that, he, that I know about. He has uh, written this book as a memoir of sorts, and uh, only if you consider some of these things to kind of be memoir-ish, like, you know, shark, shark fishing in one's underwear, roping a bear, getting drunk with your grandfather, losing 10 grand at the Hollywood sign. You know, if you're into those things, then, you know well, then it's probably a memoir of sort. So uh, I can't wait to learn a little bit more about his life and definitely his book. So joining me today is Wayne McFarland. Thank you for being my guest today. Michael, Michael, what's happening? I'm ready. (laughs) Yay. I love it. You, yeah, just, just scrolling through a few of the chapters in your book here, like, uh, the day my cousin, uh, my the day Ken, Kenny's cousin tried to kill us all, the day we pitched the loan shark. <laughs> I mean, the day of uh, let's see, we sparked a riot in Fargo, North Dakota. You've got a few things in your background there, my friend. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, well I, you know, a few years ago, my wife and I, who's also my my partner, keeps me out of jail. Uh, we sold a, a business we were running. And, um, and I've always loved to read. And so I, I got on a tear, and I've loved biographies and memoirs and stuff. And so I kind of got on a tear and I read a whole bunch of them. And Michael, I got to tell you, by and large, they really suck. You know, I mean, it, it, it's the old, I stood outside and gazed at the mountains and I said, there lies my destiny. No, no, it doesn't <laughs> happen like that. And, you know, those kind of books only look good or fall out that way in retrospect at the yeah. time you're just wandering around doing the best you can and so i thought you know i think what i'll do is write a memoir about the way things really happen and the weird stuff you get involved with just by being willing to get out there and live you know and take yeah. advantage of what's brought to you so michael you'll love this i took it to the to uh, the, as a bunch of initial publishers, and I, I got published, but the initial reaction was, no, you can't do this. Nobody's going to read a bunch of short vignettes about a you know memoir form. You have to have a narrative arc. You have to mm-hmm. begin with 
I caught cancer. And then all you went through to come out, you know, victorious at the end and so forth. And I thought, well, like with other things I've done, you know, if I'm going to fail, I want it to be spectacular. So we put it out there and turns out in this 250 character world, it uh, struck a chord. I joke with people that, you know, it's a great bathroom book because, you know, you don't have to try and pick up the story where you left off, you know, just a bunch of chapters. So, so that's how it kind of came about. And, and uh, some younger members of my family read it and said, last time I heard this story, you'd had too much eggnog, you know? So, so there you go. So, uh, so I put them together in a book, Tales from the Day, which, oh God, I love it when I do this, is available on Amazon. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, a shameless plug. And thank you for allowing me to do that. That's what this is about. This is about a shameless plug. This is your opportunity to get people excited about picking this book up. And, you know, if they buy it on Amazon, they can also order it with a roll of toilet paper. So you said it goes well in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And soap soap for the follow up, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, a little marketing, marketing strategy there for you. <laughs> uh, yes. Where were you when we were causing a riot in North Dakota? You know, we needed you then. Well, tell us. Let let's tell us. Tell us about causing a riot in North Dakota. Let's hear a couple of your stories that'll entice people to want to read more. Well, the the, the riot story in in North Dakota that that really goes back a long ways. When I was. Uh, going to school and afterwards I needed money, not so much for school, but for all of the associated nonsense that comes with it. And so a, uh, a friend of mine and I started a, a little business to throw rock and roll dances. And we started with kind of like disc jockey pre-recorded music and ended up uh, bringing in that national bands, if you can believe it. And and I was introduced then to the world of people being stoned and falling asleep in the bass drum before the music starts and all this. And yeah, so one day we took everything we could beg, borrow and steal. And we brought in a band which has receded in the mists of time. They were a, a, a rock group, had a bunch of hits, but they dressed like colonial people, Paul Revere narrators, they call themselves. Oh, yeah, and, yes. Yeah. And I them. Yeah. And um, so we, we brought them in to where we lived, which was Moorhead, Minnesota, right across from Fargo, which they later made a movie about, a lot of which really rang true, I will tell you. Yeah. yeah. And, um, well, this is a farming community. So they, you know, they were used to seeing, you know, Irv Waltz and his accordion players, but they weren't used to seeing something <laughs> like so this. Yeah. So, so the night of the concert, all the local disc jockeys we'd rented the town civic center and went completely crazy. And 10,000 kids showed up, Michael. Ten th- wow. I mean, we must have, yeah, wow. we must have cleaned out every farm for 200 miles, right? 
And so they all got there, so yeah, shouting and screaming, and the, the doors were bulging, and, and the fire marshal was running around saying, shut it down, shut it down. And, and my partner and I are seeing our lives flash before our eyes, right? So we figured the best thing to do was start the show, which we did. And I was just hoping nobody would fall through the, the glass windows, oh, you know? Yeah. And we hired, we hired a bunch of our friends who uh, – our trustworthy friends who were letting in people at the doors for cash. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I thought, well, maybe they're saving the cash for us. No, oh. no. <laughs> so um, we were really doing pretty well. Everything had calmed down and people were a lot more polite then than they are now, I think. And the uh, Raiders had this shtick where, uh, they would a bunch of buzzing would take place and the lead singer who was this who had you know legions of groupies running around went over and would fiddle with the cable and then pretend he was getting electrocuted oh, so he'd no. hop around yeah so he'd hop around the stage and then fall down and the crowd went crazy i mean people oh. were jumping up on the stage gonna give him cpr resuscitation or so yeah and took, I mean, it turned into a riot and it took, you know, these small town police and, and my partner and I pulling people off the stage, the band, the guy made a miraculous recovery. He suddenly, he suddenly realized it was either that or he was going to die for sure. He got oh, up yeah. and started playing and it went away. And oh. that night, I think is still whispered about in the bars of Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> I, I'm not sure but i suspect it might be so that was our that was our riot in north dakota that's so funny because i'm actually uh drinking a glass uh that is i received when i spoke in uh, grand forks north dakota a couple years My ago god you've been to grand forks oh yeah oh heck yeah oh yeah yeah i spoke there at, <clears throat> at the alaris center a couple years ago and my, my husband's family yeah, my husband's family is all from uh, Minnesota, and then they've got a lake place way up north. So it's a really, uh, it's a nice hop over to, uh, you know, from when you're in Minnesota, it's just a little drive over to Dakota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. You know, one, cult one culture to another, right? It's exactly. beautiful up there, though. You got a it lake is. cabin, bravo for you. It's be it's really beautiful up there. But you it spoke really in Grand is. Forks. Did you ever see yeah. the pictures of the, when the Grand Forks got flooded a few years back, and yes. all of, or a lot of the downtown buildings were on fire, and yes. the floodwaters were up to like the tenth story? Yeah, yeah. But it, it yeah. ain't easy living living in North Dakota. <laughs> no, I can't imagine Minnesota. it was ever 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 easy living no. in North Dakota, without a doubt. Nope. Well, I love it. Well, we're going to take a quick break, Wayne. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Are you tired of the time and expense of going to the salon for a mani-pedi? If so, Color Street is your answer. Base, color, and top coats are blended together in an incredible polished strip that you apply yourself. The result? A brilliant salon quality manicure in just minutes with no dry time, smudges, or streaks. These strips are 100% real nail polish, not stickers. They're flexible, can be gently stretched for a perfect fit, and last up to 10 days. I've been using them for months now and love the amazing selection of colors and styles, along with the ability to create my own unique manicure by mixing and matching. 
Shop today and support our sponsor, Betsy Roberts, by ordering at colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Again, that's colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Or simply click the link in our show notes. And we're back with Wayne McFarland, and we are talking about his incredible memoir. I love the story. I think it's so funny. I mean, just thinking about all the elements of your story from the people, uh, you know, uh, charging to let people in and, you know, holding on to the cash to Paul Revere and the Raiders uh, and the fake electric uh, electrocution. Um, so, I mean, it must have been fun for you to actually, like, take the time to put your stories down on paper. Well, it really was. And and one thing that it indicated to me is that if you want to, I've had a number of people say, oh, man, you got out there and lived life and this and that. I said, nah, things happen and you just got to go with them. You know, mm-hmm. you can't plan on pitching a loan shark. You can't sit down and say, I think I'm going to pitch a loan shark for advertising dollars. No, <laughs> I mean, it just it doesn't happen. That, that was a Las Vegas story, by the way. And I don't know why we didn't get get shot over that, but uh, yeah. What did you pitch for it? I want to know. Tell us that story. Well, I I had this contact of mine who, for a while, uh, Michael, blogging now is the new local radio, and those who mm-hmm. are doing well at it, like you are, it's it's a tough thing. Back in the day, before radio stations were all conglomerates. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the owners of small radio stations were like carnival people. Okay. I mean, they never had any money. And so if you owned a radio station, what they did is they'd, they'd trade for everything. You need a car, you'd call the local car dealership and do a deal for advertising and you'd drive off in some old rattle trap, right? Oh, so yeah. one, day I, one day I got a call from this guy I knew and, and um, we'd done some projects together. Um, including one where he hired a lawyer by the name of Mad Dog to put a boot on an airplane at Los Angeles Airport. Uh, yeah. So this guy calls me up one day and he says, we are going to live like kings. And I said, well, I'm all into that. What do you got in mind? He said, I just bought this radio station in Las Vegas. Oh boy. And I've got a new concept. We won't sell advertising for cash. We'll just take stuff and then we'll sell the stuff. And you're going to help me and we'll get in free to everything. <laughs> and he finally, he finally offered me some money. So I went into Las Vegas and we did live like kings for a while. I mean, you know, I had trading tickets at the shows and restaurants. And one day he calls me in and he said, well, we're out of money. And I said, well, big shock there. You know, we're not taking any in. You know, eventually you're going to run out. Right? Yeah. So he said, we are going to go sell a cash advertising contract to big Jim at Jim's bail bonds. Oh boy. And yeah, I mean, the old boy of it, Michael was that (laughs) I was new to Las Vegas, but even I knew this was back in the era where you could go sleep in the desert. And even I knew that big Jim was the the biggest loan shark in Las Vegas. So I said, are you sure this is a good idea? He said, yeah, I've even made a commercial. So he, he created this commercial for him. And Michael, it was pretty good. You know, I had music underneath and a disc jockey voice 
telling the listener that if they ran in, uh, into trouble with the law, call Big Jim and he'll spring you out of the out of Durance vial, right? So I thought, well, that sounds kind of good. So off we went. And Big Jim's bail bonds were run by him and his son, Little Jim, who was rumored to be as mean as a snake. So we, yeah. So we go into the conference room, and and here's Big Jim, who looked like Job of the Hut, and oh. this other guy next to him, who had to be his son, who starts in on us. I don't know what we're doing here. We're not going to pay any cash for any stupid advertising. And my friend, who got us into this mess, said, No, no, no. I've even got a commercial already made for you. And the kid says, we don't want to hear any stinking commercial, blah, blah. And Big Jim just says, play it. So my friend pushes the button. And instead of the commercial, Michael, that he had played for me, out comes my friend's voice backed by organ music in a minor key. And the dialogue goes like this. Have you killed your wife? If you have cash in the bank here at Big Jim's Bail Bonds, we don't care. Have you hit your mom with an axe? If you have equity in real estate here at Big Jim's, we don't care. And I swear to God, that kid leaped out of the chair. I thought he's going to shoot us. And he stopped when he noticed Big Jim was, was sounded like he was strangling to death, but he was actually laughing so hard. He had tears coming down his face and he said, Oh, God, he said, that was great. He said, it was really stupid of you to do that. But he said, it was really great. He said, okay, I'll do your deal. One year of advertising, cash in front. He said, on two two conditions. My friend who's scribbling on the contract said, what are the conditions? And Big Jim said, you never air anything on the air without my approval. And the second condition is you give me that commercial and it better be the only copy. So we did the deal. And he literally paid us with money in a bag, you know, just like, oh, and I, Michael, I always thought that Big Jim got that commercial to destroy it. But I heard later that he played it at every party he attended after that, right up until he went to jail. <laughs> I love that story so much. I love uh, it so much. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay, so my listeners, you know what this means. You better go buy this book. We need to support that. At Amazon. <laughs> At Amazon. Amazon. And don't worry, we'll have the links in the show notes. <laughs> Great. And the reason I push Amazon is we all know Jeff Bezos needs the money. <laughs> he needs some extra cash. He Maybe does. we can get a commercial for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. If you've blown somebody into space and you can't get them back, well, if you've got money in the bank, I Bezos care. doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wayne, gosh, I love it. I love it. I am definitely buying your book and I really am going to right. encourage my listeners. So I know we'll have the contact and information on the show notes, but tell us again the name of your book so we can all go look up right at this moment. You Shall Live Long and Prosper. No, that's not the name of my book. My name of my book is Tales from the Day. And as you know, it's available on Amazon. If anybody wants to contact me, www.waynemcfarland.com, M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D.com. And you can send me email about how my book sucks or, you know, whatever, whatever moves you, you know? (laughs) 
I love it. Oh my gosh, Dwayne, I could I could actually talk and listen to your stories all day. But before oh, we you. go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, I think most of it, you know, comes down to a study I read, which I think speaks for itself. And it was done by Harvard Medical School, of all people. And Michael, they interviewed, I don't know, some hundreds of folks in their 80s. And they wrote a paper on it because what they expected to hear was end of life ruminations on things you shouldn't have done, like, mm -hmm. you know, hitting your mom with an axe or whatever. <laughs> and what they heard instead is that not one person regretted what they had done but mm -hmm. all of them expressed regret for things they did not do. Ah. So, so my advice, I guess, is, you know, don't fish for sharks in your underwear, but you get a chance to, to do something. A lot of people just kind of like you with your blog. I mean, mm -hmm. you started this blog and it's going great now. And, and I'm sure there are a bunch of people, if you said, what, if you said, why don't you start a blog? They'd say, Oh, I can't do that. I, I I can't do that. Uh, you know, you just so just take a swing at it. I guess is my advice. Yeah, I love it, Wayne. I think that uh, I, I'm going to guarantee you that the moment I get done off uh, taping this, I'm going to buy your book, and Thank I will read you. it and I will rate it for you because that we know is very Thank very you. important on Amazon. What Thank a pleasure! You. Yes, what a pleasure to have you as a guest today, Wayne. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank. It was absolutely delightful. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.